Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Nearly six months ago, the Nord Stream gas pipelines that connect Russia to Germany were blown up. And today, there's still no clear answer about who did it. Now, the attacks have sent geopolitical shockwaves around the world, and investigations are being conducted by authorities in three European countries. And so far, four countries, Russia, the United States, Ukraine, and the United Kingdom, have all been publicly blamed for the explosions, with varying degrees of evidence. But there are holes in every argument. So today, Politico's Charlie Cooper on the mystery of who blew up the Nord Stream pipelines and the global energy implications of that question. It's Monday, March 13th. We know that on 26 September 2022, leaks were detected on the Nord Stream pipelines. These are two sets of pipelines that run from Russia under the Baltic Sea to Germany, carrying gas. It soon became apparent these leaks near the Danish island of Bornholm were caused by explosions. And then fairly early on, given the simultaneous timing, it was pretty clear this was a deliberate act of sabotage. That was later confirmed by one of the three formal investigations that are ongoing into this in in three different European countries. We also know it would have taken quite a sophisticated operation to take out these pipelines at about 100 metres depth. And I guess we also know that there are plenty of people, plenty of countries that may have had an interest in taking out what were extremely controversial, geopolitically speaking, pipelines. Right. So let's get into some of the various theories now. So early on after the attack, Russia was publicly blamed for the explosions. So does that still seem to be the case? At first, for most Western governments and analysts, Russia was the prime suspect. At first, that might not make sense. Yeah, sure, Russia has a history of hybrid warfare against its adversaries. This does seem like the kind of thing Vladimir Putin might do. But these pipes were owned by Russian state gas company Gazprom. It was Russia that was profiting from the gas revenues from Nord Stream 1 and, and stood to profit from the new, you know, not yet operational Nord Stream 2. So why would Russia take them out? The argument goes that this is all happening in the context of the war with Ukraine, the EU's lining up energy sanctions against Russia. Not long before the explosions, Putin made this veiled threat that if the Europeans go through with that, they will freeze this winter. And even though these pipes were big money for Russia previously, already Gazprom at the time had been interrupting supply, making strange excuses about technical faults. And all that was widely seen as a Kremlin-dictated effort to cut off Europe's gas supply, put pressure on the EU to back away from helping Ukraine. So there's no actual significant amount of gas being delivered to Germany through these pipelines at the time that they were blown up. And so the theory is this might just be a clear final statement from the Kremlin that Russia is serious about its energy blackmail and also wanting to make a statement that it can physically threaten energy infrastructure covertly anywhere that it wants to. But... Six months on now, despite all these investigations, there's still been no hard evidence to to point the Russian involvement, which is why that theory is, is beginning to be questioned in many quarters. Interesting. And now the latest theory focuses on the possibility that a pro-Ukrainian group, but not necessarily state-backed, 
may have been responsible. So tell us about that and just what the implications of that might be for solidarity around the war. So yeah, two separate investigations, one by three German media organizations and one by the New York Times, both landed around the same time last week. And both suggested, as you said, that the pro-Ukrainian group, though not necessarily, it should be added, uh, state-backed, may have been responsible or involved in some way. On Wednesday last week, the German prosecutor's office confirmed that, yes, it had searched a ship in January, suspected of transporting explosives used in the sabotage, but it also made clear it's still investigating the seized objects, that the identities of the perpetrators and their possible motives remain subject to investigation. There was no confirmation of any of that. The Ukrainian government, for its part, has denied any involvement whatsoever. And I think as you touched on, you know, interestingly, a lot of the EU diplomats that some of my colleagues at Politico spoke to in the wake of these reports, they were really quite cautious about these claims, even in private. Now, you could say they would be because any evidence of Ukrainian involvement could put a strain on what is currently a sort of hugely important alliance between Ukraine and the EU, if there was any suggestion of their involvement. But it's important to add Ukraine denies any involvement whatsoever. And at the moment, as with all the other theories, this remains unconfirmed. Right. And so the last two theories that are out there have been about the United States and United Kingdom being involved. So what would be their motivation and how have those governments responded? Right. So these are both narratives that ministers in in Russia itself have seized upon. The rationale is that the US never liked Nord Stream and in particular never liked Nord Stream 2. They saw this as a kind of naive move on Germany's part that would make them too dependent on Russia. Some would say they were absolutely right. And this is something that successive US administrations have have had a problem with. The UK, you mentioned the UK, they were also wary about Nord Stream 2 in particular. Although, to be honest, I, I always felt the Russian claim that this was the UK, which kind of flared up briefly in the fall of last year. There was no evidence presented whatsoever. It felt a bit strange. With the US, in February, that's when this theory really got a big airing with a widely read article by the investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch, which straight up alleged that Biden ordered this directly. That article was based on a single anonymous source. There were quite a few inconsistencies that have been pointed out with it, and it was outright declared fiction by the White House. The Kremlin, though, seized upon it even to the extent, interestingly, that the reports we've talked about in more recent times about potential Ukrainian involvement, the Kremlin's been quite dismissive about those. And I wonder if that's perhaps their thinking there is, if they keep that narrative going, does it drive a wedge between Europe and the US? And that just all goes to show that just like the act of sabotage itself, this big whodunit story has really kind of profound geopolitical implications and everyone's kind of playing a geopolitical game with it at this stage. It's quite a fascinating situation we're in. Also, on Friday, Senator Joe Manchin said he would not support President Joe Biden's nominee to a top Interior Department position, effectively dooming Laura Daniel Davis's nomination as Interior's Assistant Secretary for Land and Minerals Management. Manchin's committee is in charge of clearing Biden's nominees to Interior, and he said he was concerned the administration was focusing more on climate change than U.S. oil production. Daniel Davis's nomination has been in congressional limbo for years, and she currently works in Interior as a Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for Land and Minerals Management. 
For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. Chevron is developing renewable diesel made with biofeedstock that can help reduce the life cycle carbon emissions of heavy-duty transport fuels today. Learn more at chevron.com.